Navigating Business Podcast, where we dive into the lives and stories of small business owners from around the country to learn what's worked, what hasn't, and everything else in between. Our goal here is to share as much high-quality business information as possible. And the best part is, it's all by business owners for business owners. Everything here is all about small business. We're here today with Madeline Temple. Madeline is the founder of Collective Identity, where she advises CEOs, executive leadership teams, and founders on how to talk about who their companies are and what they do to investors, employees, customers, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. Madeline is also the co-host of a podcast titled Do Less Bad, A New Way to Do More Good. Madeline, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do. Thank you so much for inviting me. You've totally nailed what I do, and that is sort of my calling card as well, that I believe we have to help people, companies, whoever it is, talk in a very clear, simple, and true way about who they are and what they do. And this is really all about enabling anybody to have a conversation with somebody. So it's a way to immediately connect and have somebody say to you, how do you do that? What do you mean? Because when you have a conversation, then you're letting somebody else guide the conversation and ask you what they want to know about. So you don't really have to guess. And that really dovetails with my marketing and advertising background. And I started way back in the ad agency, working at companies like Leo Burnett with clients that included Hallmark. I've also worked with Walgreens, Circuit City back in its day. And I also have international experience working in London for over 10 years. Yeah, very cool. So I love the part of your message about showing brand executives and CEOs how to talk about their business in such a way that a six-year-old can understand it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And, and I guess another question on top of that is, is how would you explain what you do to a six-year-old or someone in, in that position? Well, I hope that my opening line, I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do, would and it should get any six-year-old to be able to understand what I do immediately. Now, whether they go, you're a brand strategist, I wouldn't expect any six-year-old to do that. <laughs> but to get a six-year-old to go, well, I understand what who you are means. I understand what you do means. And that's really what it's about. It's about using very simple language so that, again, there are no barriers. And this this isn't about talking down to somebody. It's not about dumbing down. It is about making sure somebody understands what you're saying because one of the things that happens is if you put a barrier to somebody, if, if I use really big words, like brand maximization value, all these kind of things, people will, will try to guess what you're saying. And it turns out that people are awful at multitasking, no matter how much we wanna believe we are. And if I use words, if any of us use words somebody else doesn't understand, their brain actually stops working and stops listening to what you're saying next as they try to figure out what that word you've used means. And what happens is they miss everything you've said. Now, you might say, well, why wouldn't somebody just ask me what that word means? Turns out a lot of us don't want to feel stupid, don't want to admit we don't know something. Hmm. So when I work with CEOs, when I work with executive leadership teams, a lot of it has to do around language. And part of what I do around this whole six-year-old is to go, I don't care if it's a six-year-old, if it's an 86-year-old, 
imagine a Martian. I want you to think about somebody who has no idea about your business, about what you do, and could they understand it? Could they understand it in such a way that they'd be able to talk about it with you and in an ideal world, could they pass along your message for you for free? For sure. And and that really resonates with me coming from the bookkeeping accounting field, because when you start explaining what you do to someone, oftentimes you're kind of getting that blank stare that you're, that you're talking about. And I'm obviously realizing a lot of that is, is not the other person's fault. That's probably my fault in, in using some sort of terminology in bringing up things like bank reconciliations and QuickBooks instead of saying what I'm actually doing for the business owner, right? So that really resonates with me. So thinking about branding and speaking about what you do to other business owners, what advice would you give to business owners who don't know anything about branding, who aren't really sure how to summarize what they're doing in a, in a way? How, how do they navigate the world of branding? Because there's, there's so much out there about branding, about marketing. What advice would you give in that sense to, to walk into that field? I'd say let's strip it back a little bit. Let's take around away words, branding and marketing, because if, if these aren't your backgrounds, as in you're booking, bookkeeping, you're an accountant, you're a lawyer, suddenly I'm, I'm making you switch industries, right? And use words where you, I, I, would, I would argue that most people, most educated people, most people in the workforce today know what marketing is, they know what branding is, right? And, and I don't mean to to talk down to anybody. Of course, you know what that is. <laughs> but suddenly it's, oh, and, but, that, but that's not what my strength is. Oh, I have to tackle this. And so one way to think about it is, let's just talk about communicating. Let's just talk about talking to people. And what happens is everybody says, oh, I can talk to people. Of course I can do that. I, I don't need any help with that. And that's where I kind of smile and say, well, but how effective are you at it? And a, a great way to really test a very simple, clear, simple, and true message to talk about who you are and what you do is, first of all, can you get it to roll off your tongue and have it be the same message you talk to everybody about? Because the consistency is how you build up your brand, right? You want to be known for something. So something else to think about. Turns out that a soundbite is approximately nine to 15 words, about three to five seconds. And think about this as sort of a sound bite, right? It, it's one thing. And so you can only get one thing in those three seconds. So what's the one thing, if you, if you could only have somebody know one thing about you, what is that one thing? Let's strip it down to that one thing. And oh, by the way, if that one thing has a benefit, to your listener, even better, because that's how you hook them. We all are kind of interested in what's in it for me, and that's how you do it. So for instance, when I say, I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do, what it ends up doing is saying, oh my gosh, I, do I really know how to talk about who, they are, who I am and what I do? And a great example of this is one of my clients, the way I really hooked them was when they saw this, companies how to talk about who they are and what they do to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, six-year-olds, they were having a problem with journalists. And journalists were interviewing them, were writing about them, but the message was wrong. And they said, you, you can tell us how to talk to journalists because that's what their problem was. 
So one thing, if there's a benefit to other people, make that part of your one thing and do it ideally in about nine to 15 words. If you can do it in six or seven, even better. Wow. Six to seven words. Ideally, <laughs> I'll take nine, max I'll take <laughs> but, but part of that, right, is let's think about a larger company. Okay. So for instance, let, let's go back a second. You could go, well, uh, you didn't do yours in six words. Yours is I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do, blah, 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 blah. Now, I, the, I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do. That is under the 15 words, right? The employees, customers, investors, that's the extra hook. And the reason it's easy for me to say that is I am a sole practitioner. So this rolls off my tongue, but it's also my hook because in addition to, to really clarifying the who you are and what you do, I get people with six-year-olds because they always smile and go, really, six-year-olds? <laughs> and that's how we start having a conversation. And that's what I want to happen. And so now imagine that you're in a company, let's say 1,000 people, 10,000 people, okay? But your story, your message about yourself, this clear, simple, true message, let's say it's 30 words. And you look at it and you go, yes, somebody needs to know all those 30 words about me. Well, I would advise anybody, picture when you were a kid or picture when I was a kid, which I know you can't picture, but <laughs> there was a game we played at birthday parties. It was called Operator. And we would sit in a circle and the first kid would whisper something into the ear of the second kid and it would go around the circle. And the last kid would say out loud what the first kid said. And it was never what the first person said. And so everybody would laugh and giggle. But what I want ideally is the last person in your company of your thousand person company to say exactly what the first person said. And I promise you, if it's 30 words, you're never, ever, <laughs> ever going to get there. Hmm. Can't happen. Yeah, that's a, that's a great image. I'm also a... Uh, previous third grade teachers. So we played many games of, of telephone in the classroom. Well, I, I don't know many games. I, I did do some real teaching as well, but <laughs> it, uh, that is, that's a great example because even a short sentence, like you said, if it's not memorable or if it's random or if it brings in a lot of different pieces, it was so hard for the kids to pass that on. But if it was a simple message or something that was easily rememberable, it had such a higher chance of, of following through. So that's, that's a really interesting thought, almost a little test that you could run with your company to kind of pass it on from employee to employee or other teams that you work with to see if it, if it passes through and, and continues to make sense. So yeah, that's pretty cool. The, the six to, to 10 words I think is really interesting too. Cause I think when a lot of people are thinking about a networking event, for example, right, they're thinking about that. What's going to be kind of my pitch that I'm going to use when I meet someone new. And I feel like it's usually 30 to 45 seconds that we're thinking of, of, of explaining what we do. But I mean, how much, how much of that is remembered, right? compared to just a quick six to 10 word, really boiled down piece. I guarantee very little of it is remembered. And <laughs> the other thing that kind of hit me a few years ago and, and it made me laugh was I came across this article that said, the elevator speech is gone. It's now an escalator speech. <laughs> and that escalator speech is actually about the it's the equivalent to a soundbite. Imagine you're on an escalator, you're going up, somebody's coming down, you pass each other. You probably coincide for about five seconds. <laughs> so that's where this 
this nine to 15 words comes from because you can say approximately three words per second. Don't ask me why I know that, but I do. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's where this is coming from. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I think that's really powerful for businesses starting off as well when you're kind of making all those new connections with build, kind of building out that network. Everyone's asking you, what do you do? You're changing careers. What do you do now? That's so powerful to be able to, to boil that down and have a, a memorable piece there. So I love that. I had a client once who I was doing this work with and they're a shopper research agency. So they're the people that go into a grocery store, for instance, and they look at how people buy things in a store. When they're in an aisle, where do their eyes go? What products do they reach for? How do promotions attract attention? And so their message had been around insight and we're the leading insight company and this is what we do. And we took that message and we went to, we show you how to turn shoppers into buyers. Hmm. And that is what they did. And the truth of it was they don't turn shoppers into buyers because they advise you. Now, if a client doesn't take your advice, then you didn't do it, but they do show you how to do it. And what that enabled was everybody in the company to feel comfortable and confident saying that message because that was the truth they did show you. Hmm. And that's how they got absolutely everybody in the company in line and, and on board with this message. And it was, it really turned around everything for them. It became their calling card. And I remember the managing director who was the founder said to me, she was at this meeting and it was a, a very high level meeting with a partner who was bringing them to a high profile client. And as they were walking through the meeting, this agency partner said to them, so how would you talk about what you do? And the managing director knew this answer. We hadn't, we hadn't launched it with the company yet. And she turned to her and she simply said, we show you how to turn shoppers into buyers. And she said that partner just had a huge smile on her face <laughs> because in those very few simple words she nailed exactly what they got what they did and it turns out that when clients come to you what are they looking for they're coming to you because they want to get more people buying at their stores so you're mm -hmm. telling them straight off i know what your problem is and i know how to solve it and that's how they made it about the listener and even if you weren't let's just say that you were a partner for them because this happened, they were working with a designer who they'd been working with for 10 years. And this managing director was talking to the designer, head designer, and it came out that he didn't understand what they did. I don't, I don't know what Chopper Insight is. And she's sitting there going, you've worked with us for 10 years and you don't understand what we do? <laughs> but it turned out he was never gonna say anything because he was embarrassed. Wow, yeah, that's powerful. I wanna ask you about the business side of things. So you've had, like you said, quite a, quite a long experience in different marketing agencies, branding agencies, and, and been both a business owner and an employee. What are some of the differences that you've found between kind of those two different roles? And, and what are some of the things that you enjoy and, and don't enjoy about going the entrepreneur route? What I've learned first and foremost is that when you're the consultant, when you come in as the hired expert, you give your advice I personally always stand behind my advice, but after that, I let go. And I think that in a good way, it's to say, 
I've given you my recommendation. I stand behind it, but now it's up to you. And, you know, here it is. I've given you everything you need. But when you're on the client side, when you're part of the employer, and this is what I learned at, at my most recent company I was with, not only do you stand by your work, not only did I stand by my work, but I was the mouthpiece for it. And so it became very, very personal for me as in I was completely invested in making sure that as we unrolled, unveiled our message to our over 10,000 employees around the world, making sure they understood what this was about, why it worked, ensuring even before we unveiled it that it was the right message, kicking the tire so heavily because implementation and success of it was fully on my shoulders and I took full responsibility for it. And so it became very, very personal in a way that I hadn't experienced in quite the same way as a consultant. So those to me were the two biggest differences. And it's not that I don't stand behind my work as a consultant. It's that I'm not there. I'm usually not there to hear all the comments for somebody as they make it real. When you're on the client side, it is about theory and practice, as in here's the big idea, here's the message, and now we have to make it real as we start launching and going to trade shows, marketing literature, ensuring it meshes up with HR, it supports them, it supports IR, it supports corporate comms. So it was far more of an immersive experience on the client side. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. So for someone who's thinking about potentially, you know, moving from in business, the employee side to the entrepreneur side, like you said, being the consultant instead, is there any advice that you'd give to someone who's kind of starting that transition or thinking about that, you know, considering that? I think in both cases, you have to have a thick skin, but in different ways. Because when you're on the client side, when you're in the corporation, you get to hear a lot of comments from a lot of people. And that's why this whole thing around clarity and simplicity and the truth matters incredibly because you have to make sure that the message is embraced by everybody in the company, whether it's the receptionist, whether it's somebody working in product management, whether it's um, president of a division. You need to do the same as a consultant but it's very rare that you get to hear the direct feedback from all those people. So I think in some ways you need a thicker skin on the employee side, but also things go much, much more slowly on the client side because you're dealing with the politics. And you may deal with the politics as a consultant in terms of selling the work in, but I promise you those politics are nothing like they are when you're in the thick of it, being an employee. And that's true for everything. So everybody has politics, they show up in different ways and everybody has their kicks and they show up in different ways. One of the things I love being on the client side was I was the one unveiling this message to over 3000 people. I was the one doing a global town hall with the CEO. That's not gonna happen as a consultant. So. Depends on, on where you get your energy from, your excitement from, and what are the exact types of work you like to do. Hmm. Yeah, really interesting. I would never have guessed 
that you would say, you know, you need thicker skin on the employee side. Cause I think my first thought would be, well, you're, you're part of the company, you're trusted, but no, I think it makes a lot of sense. You're, you're 24 seven, or at least as many hours as you're working, you're visible to all those comments and potential criticism as well. So that makes a lot of sense. So I want to finish up here with talking about your podcast, which you're the co-host of. It's called Do Less Bad. If you're listening, definitely go check them out. They are on Apple Podcasts. You can find them there. But tell us, Madeline, tell us about what good you think businesses can bring to the table, especially in a time like this where 2020, it's a, it's a bit of a, a crazy year in some ways, just with COVID and, and other things as well. But what are some ways that businesses can bring good to their communities, to their networks, to their customers? I think the easiest way to start to do more good is through your employees. And that's because your employees are the human side of your brand. Every employee of yours represents your brand and it doesn't matter what their job is. When they're in the workplace and they're making a delivery or they're selling a product, they're servicing a product, whatever it may be, they represent your brand in a very human form. They're wearing a uniform, so to speak, and some literally may be wearing that uniform. And so the reason I say stop ignoring your employees is because they are the best source of information about your company. They are the people who are out there who can tell you what's going on with customers. And through them, I think it's the easiest way to give back to your community to improve customer service, to improve relations with customers, to understand what's going on with customers. Um, they are the people who are the mouthpieces for you. And so they, the best way to start doing less bad, i.e. to do more good, is help them do their job. Treasure these people. Don't always look at it as, oh, here's the cost. Here's what salaries cost. Here, how do you make these people your brand ambassadors? Because if you value them, they will value you. It's not all just about a salary. People want respect. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. And they'll pay you back in spades for it. And that's how you can increase profits. That's how you can have better customer relationships. That's how you can improve so many different things. And oh, by the way, help the communities around you. Help your own company. Get better profits. Give back more. Wow, that's really a different way of thinking about it. I think it's really powerful because looking at it from the accounting side of things, oftentimes we see salaries and wages and payroll taxes, right? And and the huge expense that that is. And when you're thinking about potentially cutting costs if business isn't going well, that's always one of the first places you look, right? Not because you're trying to hurt people necessarily, but just because you're looking at the numbers, you're saying this is a huge chunk of our operating. When you see it that way and you see the special value, the business growth that's possible in there, that's really a different way of thinking about it. I think that's really powerful. I love that. It is a different way. And don't, don't misunderstand. There are times when economically you have to make a tough call and there may be employee jobs at stake. I Look, we're in a situation like that right now. So there are times when you just have no choice. But when your first part of call is to look at employees and layoffs going, you're actually doing yourself a huge disservice, not only to them, but to your company. Because just as people talk about the expense of getting new customers, i.e. it's more expensive to get a new customer than it is to keep one and get more business. Do you know how much it, it costs to train a new employee to bring them on, lost productivity? 
And so people don't look at the cost of turnover. They say, oh, I'm saving, but what's it going to cost you to hire somebody back and train them all over again? Right. Yeah. So important. And just the, the great part about that too, like you're saying, if you're treating employees well, you're not only treating that employee well, you're, if you're paying them well, if you're treating them well, you're also helping improve, hopefully their family, their connections, their lives in that way as well. So you're not only impacting one employee, you're impacting a couple of people, you know, whether it's family members, whether it's friends that they're also connected to. So it's a pretty cool multiplier in that sense as well. It really is. Yeah. Well, Madeline, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Once again, definitely check out her podcast, Do Less Bad. And we're going to have her information below uh, the description in this podcast as well. So you can check out her company if you're interested to learn more about branding and about making a message that you can share even with six-year-olds. So thanks again, Madeline. Thank you so much.